Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as usual, we'll be filling your ears for the next 20 minutes or so with our thoughts on three topics of interest from in and around the uh, operational real estate and hotel space. Uh, I have Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, with me, and my name is Chris Bowen. I'm the editor of Hotel Analyst. And the first topic we're going to look at this week is a roundup of some very recent deals that have seen um, some amounts of private equity investment coming into the uh, hotel and allied spaces. Now, private equity is sitting on the sidelines, eyeing up potentially some distressed opportunities in the hotel space out of the back of the pandemic. But here are three outfits that are already getting stuck in. Uh, they include uh, the Americans called Acor Capital. They have uh, they gathered around a billion dollars earlier this year, um, which they said they were going to use to invest in uh, stretched hotel companies. And they've, they've done a deal with graduate hotels hotels um, putting in uh, 200 million pounds sorry 200 million dollars of preferred equity graduate uh, US chain who have uh, bought their way into UK market with um, buying the Randolph Hotel in Oxford and the former Doubletree in Cambridge um, to convert to the graduate brand so uh, obviously spending big time and uh, probably quite uh, stretched by the pandemic I'm sure that 200 million will help them out a bit. Uh, another investor, BC Partners, has put uh, just over 100 million euros into a French service department business called Edgar Suites, um, which will allow them to move from a kind of leasing model to actually acquiring their own uh, real estate uh, to take forward. And then the the third uh, interesting private equity investment is Patron Capital, who are investing in hotels, but um, actually uh, looking to reuse them as different sorts of uh, residential accommodation. So they're targeting uh, acquisitions in and around Greater London uh, and their first one is a hotel near Heathrow which they're going to be turning into some kind of uh, long-term residential accommodation. So um, maybe taking out some of those smaller unbranded properties uh, around the uh, the London hotel market. Um, so it feels like um, private equity is having to be a bit creative to spot the opportunities in the market right at the moment. Yeah, I think your piece really captures the flavour of what's happening right now, Chris, um, across the different types of deals that are getting done. So you've got the first one there, which is the graduate hotels piece, which is the rescue capital coming in, um, saying, look, there isn't any more money in the pot from from the equity. There is no more money in the pot from the lender. You've got to have a bit of rescue capital but it's not at distressed pricing um, so you've got that you've then got um, a, a what used to be a niche segment but it's very much a growth segment which is the service department piece which is one of the the, the key sort of emergent areas within hospitality um, fresh capital coming in to expand that um, and then you've got the, the 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 bit where I think distress will be most apparent is where you've got repurposing going on. But even there, again, I don't think you're seeing much in the way of distress pricing. What you are seeing is people coming in in the form of patron, um, 
as an example to to capture a, an opportunity uh, and to reposition something and create the value through the repositioning so it, this isn't a, a buy low sell high which we saw in the 1990s type thing um, in my comment piece i go on to talk about well actually i think we've got to be careful as specialists in hospitality not to get too complacent that things are all set fair because hospitality sits alongside and increasingly sits is compared directly alongside other real estate sectors and as people push into the broader operational real estate and become comfortable as investors in taking risk on in, in the form of um, exposure to the operations uh, it, it's not just hospitality they're looking at they're looking at student accommodation they're looking at elder living and they're looking at stuff like uh, digital um, in terms of data centers um, and we saw a couple of things this week um, which indicate just as uh, so we saw Blackstone going in dropping 6.7 billion US on a data center a real estate investment trust in the us um, focused on data centers called qts um, and then we also saw the announcement that colony capital is rebranding so a long-standing investor in hospitality turning its back against hospitality only now focused on our digital infrastructure and it's calling itself from the 22nd of june it's going to be calling itself digital bridge um, so i think we've got to take in mind that you know hospitality is competing against this and you know, don't sit in your silo thinking you're safe you've got to be very aware of everything else that's going on in the market um, and considering you know the student housing considering the new forms of residential coming up these are all viable alternatives to to hospitality um, and you know we we are now part of that spectrum of investment opportunities absolutely and now we're going to take a look at what's going on in china um, uh, prompted not least by the latest quarterly figures from the uh, Chinese group Huazu, um, who are telling us that uh, what they're seeing in their in their Chinese hotels is market the market's pretty much moved back to where it was in 2019 or very not very far off, uh, and they're seeing performance improve month by month. So. Um, at a corporate level, Huazu still recorded a loss for the quarter, uh, almost uh, entirely just because of its uh, its German uh, uh, investment in Deutsche Hospitality, where a lot of the hotels still are locked down or just coming out of lockdown closures. Uh, but as far as things in China, uh, Huazu seeing their, their existing hotel stock performing extremely well, and they're now looking to move a bit up market. In fact, they have acquired uh, a another brand called City Go uh, towards that end, and looking to start opening up their own new, more mid-market brands um, as they go. They're still uh, expanding like Bilio. They're still adding hotels like Mad. Uh, they're also disposing of those from their network that don't meet their standards in a bit more of a ruthless way than they did in the past. Um, but uh, it's clear, clear now that they are looking to uh, expand their portfolio and move up a gear in terms of uh, the level of the market they're interested in. Um, more broadly in China, figures from STR show that uh, even in the very large cities such as Beijing, things are picking up quite nicely. So that will be some comfort for those uh, big international uh, brand portfolios from people like AHG and Marriott who tend to operate towards the luxury end and therefore are perhaps a little bit more reliant on international travel to help uh, pick, fill up their hotels in the Chinese cities.
Yeah, it, it, it's quite remarkable, isn't it, how strong the China rebound has been, given that it's an entirely domestic um, affair right now, with the borders are very firmly shut. Yeah. I think that ought to give some hope to um, certainly Northern Europe's hoteliers um, when international travel is going to be so difficult this summer um it's going to be a positive year i think for for certainly northern europe um if we follow that that chinese example and i think you know people are having a read through saying all oh, this is what our recovery is going to look like i, d I don't think so much because i think china is quite an anomaly given that it's got this absolutely you know rigid border really mm. um and not allowing anybody to come in and and how it how the recovery is going to shape up as we get into 22 and we start having international travel again uh, that's going to start looking very different i suspect and it's going to be very interesting indeed given this super strong you know rebound we're already seeing just only on domestic travel so as we get into this it, 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 it's 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 quite an exciting period i mean one of the things slightly concerning for me was looking at china um and seeing 80 percent of say beijing now has at least one dose of the vaccine yet there's no sign at all of them opening up borders i mean across the whole of china 40 percent of the population now has at least one dose according to uh, uh bloomberg who is um, relying on local media reports um so it's quite a remarkable success with the, the vaccine ahead of most of Europe, um, not perhaps the UK and, say, places like Serbia, uh, but, you know, uh, certainly ahead of, say, France and other uh, uh, um, big economies. Um, so it's quite remarkable they're not even thinking about um, opening those borders up yet. Um, the the other thing um, I, I, I remark on um, in my comments on your piece, Chris, it, it is just how big Wazoo already is. It's 660,000 rooms mm. in operation. It's clearly a major global player now, um, not that far off, say, the likes of Accor in terms of its, uh, its overall scale. Um, it's very china heavy this and i think there is going to be a split i think china was once this sort of golden um uh, you know potential had this golden potential there in the industry that you know being in china and tapping into that great china market was it was critical for um certainly the global uh, brand majors the u.s global brand majors and accor i think that's that that outlook i think is very much uh shall we say on the back burner now because of the ongoing geopolitical issues between china and um, the western economies i think is going to make it more and more problematic and i suspect this will mean that wazoo is going to be much more focused on its domestic expansion rather than jumping on any opportunities that may pop up um, elsewhere notably in europe i mean I, th I think if there's something really compelling strategically it could well do something something um it, it's saying look it, it's got you know effectively it's got unused bank facilities of a billion us um close to a billion us in terms of cash cash balance so it has the capability to do deals um i i think it's going to be as it did with city it's going to be in its domestic market though. yes because i mean you know it was very unlucky in its timing of, of the purchase of deutsche hospitality and uh, but I, I from from what we see of what they're talking about sort of integrating some of the, the digital and so on of other things from from china into the deutsche hospitality infrastructure um we might we might potentially see them start to accelerate some deutsche hospitality brand growth in and around Europe 
over the next year or two but um uh yeah they've had their kind of uh their initial uh, impetus rather snuffed out by lockdowns unfortunately yeah i, I think that it, what's interesting is how much Deutsch has been used as a as a vehicle for domestic chinese expansion as well seeing seeing those brands brought brought mm. over to china um so that's clearly and and, and you know some of the i mean it's, it is rolling out i mean some of the smaller deutsche brands um, um if you if you look at uh Zleep, um and intercity um in terms of the pipeline they're quite significant relative to where they are at the moment there's still sort of 11 sleep hotels in the pipeline 21 intercity hotels in the pipeline so still relatively small um in absolute terms but uh, uh rather so small in absolute terms but relatively proportionally rather um quite significant expansion of those brands um so clearly wazoo sees the opportunity for this stuff to 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 grow and it it it's it you know the the Jewish acquisition is very much part of enhancing the overall um brand portfolio of of, of wazoo i think and uh, um the 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 unknown with it is is how this this is going to impact its relationship with Accor, of course, which Accor is winding down its stake in Wazoo, and and it's how and where that comes mm. out, um, and and whether that actually leads to uh, you know a, 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 perhaps a parting of the ways of the, the two companies. No signs of that yet, but uh, um, it's certainly one to watch. Now, thirdly, we're going to be talking about uh, the German tour group Tui, who uh, of course have been sitting there draining cash. Uh, waiting and wishing for Europe's uh, holiday market to reopen so they can start shipping Northern Europeans down to the Med for their their bucket and spade holidays. The sort of the sort of market that's been um, something Tui's been uh, dining out on for many years. Um, Tui's lost lots and lots of money on an ongoing basis through the pandemic due to big commitments it had with hotels, with cruise ships, and with running its sort of a, its a, a very large business in normal times. Um, and they're continuing to slim down. Uh, most recently, they've announced two more deals, which will see them sell out of uh, more hotels and resorts. Uh, one big property in Italy has gone to another investor, and they've also uh, sold out of a joint venture with the uh, Spaniards Rio, who they uh, are still joint venturing on uh, a lot of hotels, but they had a joint venture where they were co-investors uh, on a portfolio and they've given those up to pull into more cash and help them stave uh, help them sort of cover the losses they're continuing to make while Europe's governments flim flam over whether or not to allow uh, folk to travel for summer holidays um, but at the same time they are still they actually are not just hunkering down and, and cutting left right and center they are actually making some additional investments in um, their digital stuff and one area where they look to be growing is uh, a business of experiences um, now experience is an interesting area because it's something that Airbnb says they're trying to get into and some of the other OTAs are kind of think they may be getting into in due course as well so um, can TUI do better than the uh, the online guys we'll find out in due course I think you make a very interesting point, Chris, about the experiences business, but this is looking like a, a very competitive market. Uh, actually, the market leader at the moment is TripAdvisor, um, and there's some, there's a, but it's very much an emergent market. We, we don't quite know where it's going to be going. So I think if if Chewy is putting all its eggs in that particular basket, it it's um, very much a speculative play, I think. Uh, 
I think it was surprising to see Tui do a U-turn in terms of the vertical integration model it had previously adopted. Now, it stressed that uh, it had already reverse course on this vertical integration where it owns the assets the hotel assets owns the cruise ship assets and then exploits those um, directly having owning all of the the touch points in that that um, the customer experience um, it seemed to me a very logical way for TUI to to succeed in that um, it said actually no we, we we changed course at the end of 2019 pre-pandemic we were going to bin that and we were going to go asset light um, and certainly, I think, given the debt crisis it currently has now, given that it's going to have a very difficult summer, as we've already discussed, um, I think it's going to be selling off even more assets and to become even even lighter um, on the asset front. So uh, it, 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 whether or not it truly intended to, to pursue this route, it, it, it has no choice but to pursue the asset light strategy now, I think. Um, the other point is in terms of what this means for hoteliers uh, who are wanting to get into the resort market already in the resort market I think this is generally good news in that there really isn't now a, a tour operator which which controls the market as they used to I mean in the in the old days where um, you know the likes of TUI or oh, yes. Thomas, Thomas Cook, Cook yes, yes. Um, <laughs> that, 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 that they they in many markets in many resort markets they sort of were you know they were the kings um they walked in and people you know took to the knee um um, um to honor them um because they ha had the control you know if um tui or thomas cook said you know we, we want this many hotel rooms that could make or break um the hotelier i i think that is that relationship is hugely weakened now that's always going to be the case where TUI has the the airlift into a market so uh, Cape Verde is an example of that um, and a new emerging market but where TUI is the main flight in there um, TUI are going to control that market however in the likes of the the Spanish Costas the Balearics the uh, the Canary Islands, much of Greece, um, and increasingly Turkey, uh, there is enough airlift there now that I think uh, you know hoteliers will be able to make a decent fist um, without bending the knee to to the tour operators. So I think this is this is a, a you know a good news situation the distress that's there with TUI and it's creating opportunity I think in in the, in the resort sector for for hoteliers right. and now let's finish off with our five star and no star awards and once again we are returning to the topic of lockdowns roadmaps and opening up yeah I mean at one level I I, I you know I think you know governments are in a very difficult spot because they're damned if they do they're damned if they don't they've got half the population wanting them to keep locked up and they've got half the population who think this is a you know um, and i'd probably put myself in this 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 side of the the, the argument um who think this is an imposition on on liberty and we actually are crippling our economies and we just need to take a much more pragmatic view on on the, the challenge here that the virus represents and say look um we've got to get back to as much as you know life as as quickly as possible um um you know we've re 
um, several times on this podcast we said look we have to be a bit more realistic about the risk factors that are out there um right now in the uk swirling around is are we going to well in the england actually specifically um it's are we going to open up properly on june the 21st uh, is this going to be freedom day it looks increasingly unlikely it's going to be a a freedom day in the sense of declaring the the end of the end of the war as it were it's it's perhaps we, we need to think of it more like ve day i think <laughs> there's a partial victory but ongoing skirmishes um, <laughs> war in 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 in, in, in yeah in asia and uh, taking on japan so i uh, i i think it's it's going to be that kind of um 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 um, freedom day and i i suspect that we're going to have some ongoing um um restrictions in place um so in in terms of that i think it's the no star is to the general confusion that surrounds this i, I don't think we can attribute that entirely to the government or the, i think they could help um by having a consistent mm-hmm. line on this um but um but five stars i think to the people and i i think my i i think we've both caught mm. with andrew lloyd weber the um, impresario um who who says look i'm going to open my theaters come what may um and if they end up trying to put me in prison so be it um and uh, he's saying look we've got to open we've we've got to get back to some sense of, of normality um and i think that's the kind of spirit which is going to get us out of this um and we need a bit more of that so f- very much five stars to him and no stars to the the, the confusing state we're unfortunately still find absolutely. ourselves absolutely and on that note we'll say goodbye for now